Well, Josh, thanks a lot for taking time for this. I appreciate it. Um, maybe can you talk a little bit about your background, how you got in cybersecurity, what your current role is? Yeah, so, um, you know, currently I lead the security compliance function at Harvard. Uh, we're a SaaS company. Uh, my background is I, I've been in security and IT in general for over 17 years. Uh, worked in DoD uh, more on the operational side, not technically IT, but I've done as a operational security a little bit in that area. And uh, I kind of started off in the IT world and then I tailored into security uh, after a number of years in IT, uh, after I found a passion for understanding how threats impact organizations and trying to um, find a way to mitigate risk to organization and, and uh, being able to ensure that we can adequately protect and ensure we, we place protections around uh, customers' uh, data. I understand. I understand. And um, so your current role, uh, so Harvard, I understand it's uh, you provide talent solutions and volume hiring. Is that, did I get it right? Yeah. So Harvard, we are, uh, we are a hiring uh, stack solution, essentially, and we provide high volume hiring uh, to organizations. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's a, it's really a way to match people with, with opportunities at organizations across the globe. I understand. Awesome. Well, you probably know um, cybersecurity kind of exploded and um, a lot of things at top of mind, not just for professionals, but also for uh, various organizations and executives. And I think it's kind of general understanding of how important it is for, for a successful organization. And I think there are so many opportunities uh, for people to grow in terms of career and, 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 and kind of profession in general. And I think that drives a lot of interest from, I guess, um, professionals in technology looking to transition into cybersecurity, even students in colleges looking at cybersecurity as a career path. And from your vantage point and with your experience, what would you recommend for someone who's just either considering or just starting to look into cybersecurity as a career path? What are some of the things, what are some of the mistakes to avoid? What are some of the things to focus on uh, kind of from your perspective? What would they be? I think the first thing to realize is that security is a very broad field, right? So a, a lot of people come in and they say, I want to be cyber. And it really, there are a lot of different avenues in this industry, uh, from being on the audit side of the house, uh, the governance side of the house, developing policies and organizational structure, to moving into the operational side and doing tactical security, purple teaming, red teaming. I mean, there's any number of skill sets that can be deployed across an organization. And I think that individuals really need to establish a, a, a connection with a mentor in the, in the field to kind of really start feeling out what is their passion and where can they find their niche in the market and how, how can they fit in this world because there's tons of opportunity. And I think the other thing is, um, you know, a lot of times I have individuals come to me and they say, well, what certifications should I get? And I think the reality is I, I don't like pushing people to certifications. I don't like pushing people to, you know, a specific set of education because I don't think it's one size fits all across the industry. I think that, you know, there, I don't even really believe in formal education requirements in general. 
I think that there's individuals that are more than qualified just based on personal experience. I think that individuals really can bring unique skills to the table just based on their lived experience or their passion to learn from, you know, personal personal uh, experiences and doing labs or uh, just tackling projects on their own. So I would say it's very important to uh, kind of get your feet wet, uh, get a mentor, connect with people in the industry and understand what's really out there so that you can understand where you fit, what your passion is and how that aligns with what the needs of the industry are. That's awesome. That's awesome. Thanks. Thanks for sharing. Um, also, we try to kind of to get a sense from Afinia members um, uh, what what's what's going to happen in the future. Kind of try to take a peek around the corner to see what's what the future is going to bring. So, and I know there are certain issues that everyone is focusing on right now, whether it's identity and access or um, phishing attacks or uh, ransomware, but Kind of if, uh, from I guess from your perspective, what are your predictions? What will be the top three things, top, top three themes or threats that will keep CISOs up at night um, 12 months from now? So the one thing that I see, you know, I, I know there's going to be an increase in attacks. Obviously, phishing is relevant because it works. It's effective across organizations. Social engineering attacks in general are just, it's commonplace because it's, it's effective. And it's important for organizations to ensure they have a robust training program. But I think the other thing we're gonna see that organizations need to increase and, and focus on is consumers are becoming more focused on understanding how privacy law, our privacy in organizations is, is approached and understand how organizations handle um, their data and what they're doing with the data and, and the protections they have in place. And there's an increased focus. I mean, you look at just GDPR, right, which we all know about, we're all familiar with. Uh, they have, you know, the, the requirements that say how we, we manage and control data elements and people have the inherent right to the data. But in the U.S., we don't necessarily have those same protections universally across the U.S. Now, most organizations that are global have to deal with those requirements and they kind of put the same protections in place, but not every organization takes that approach, right? So I think going over the next, you know, three to five years, I think we're going to see an increased focus globally that organizations are going to kind of normalize that environment across the organization and ensure compliance from a, from a privacy standpoint to ensure that we have consistent um, applied controls for privacy and and security controls around ensuring protections are in place for personal data. I understand. And so that's that's one. Uh, do you have a number two, number three? Oh, the, well, the first was the, uh, the phishing. The second was oh, the, the first privacy. Phishing. And then I'd say the, uh, let's see, number three. You kind of got me off guard there because I got derailed. So I'd say... Uh, the other constant threat is going to be, I'd say uh, another threat is uh, obviously zero day, right? Vulnerability management is a big thing in general. Um, organizations really need to understand this ties back to third-party risk, right? Vendor management, supply chain management. Um, organizations need to understand the systems they have and the, and the risks that vendors pose down, down the chain uh, or within their environment. So when you have things integrated into your 
organization, <clears throat> typically those systems are embedded. Um, and they, while they're reviewed annually, if we look at incidents like Log4j that were a recent, recent example, right? That wasn't really considered a, uh, most organizations had to dig through their environment to uncover where their exposure was. It was a, it was a pretty significant event in it and it had rippling effects across the industry. And most organizations didn't really have that level of granularity in their vendor management program to really understand where that risk was present. So, and there was a lot of scrambling across the industry. And then we had people that were backtracking and saying, now we need to put this in our vendor management program. They say, okay, where's, where are our vendors that haven't, have they done this? And we've got to go back, circle back with all them to make sure that they've done this also. And I'm still getting questionnaires today. Like I just got one last week from, have you guys gone through and validated that this isn't present in your environment? So there's still organizations that are following up, you know, a couple months after the fact. And I think that, as technology continues to advance, right, or these um, threat actors are looking for more and more ways to get into organizations, so they're gonna they're gonna continue to exploit these these vulnerabilities. And uh, anytime they get the uh, opportunity, they're gonna take advantage of it. So we have to be vigilant in I'd say third party risk vulnerability management program. It's critical for organizations. Interesting. And, and it kind of to follow up on kind of the first one that you mentioned, the phishing, do you think the solution would, uh, the, the focus from the cybersecurity professional, professional's perspective would be more on coming up with a um, technological solution and um, um, anti-spam, um, spam filters and what have you, and so, training, training of the personnel on not opening attachments, not clicking on links, checking um, that the uh, the email is not spoofed that it's not a lookalike um, that requests that are unreasonable that actually they will treat them with suspicion not just go send uh, credentials uh, out and things like this uh, is it where do you, th- do you think the focus will be uh, more on the techno- on fixing the issue from the technological perspective or from the people perspective or maybe both I think the the biggest thing to push for organizations is, is people, right? People are our biggest risk and that's not a bad thing. It's just for human. Um, and I think you can't, you can't we have to train ourselves, right? Um, so I'm, I'm doing research right now. And the problem with humans is we're all, we have, we're inherently human. Right? We have, we have human biases. We just, we trust people. We're, we're that's just who we are. We want to trust. We want to. We want to be connected to people, and, and that's that's what people are exploiting when they when they do social engineering or phishing emails. They're exploiting people's nature of trust. So, <clears throat> I think it's a it's going to be a constant evolution of our training programs. Uh, we we use training programs at our organization that we evolve the capabilities as people get better at the phishing content, we evolve it to adapt it to ensure that it constantly challenges them and keeps them engaged. And uh, depending on, you know, the context of the current environment, sometimes the numbers trend up, sometimes they trend down and people get better when they realize that, okay. And we always show them, you know, where their shortfalls were or how they improved. And um, across the organization, it, it really benefits to see how the trend shifts, right? Based on the current, I guess, market. So 
I think that user education is the most important piece of any fishing education program or training program. I see. Um, and on the privacy, do you think that GDPR will make, I, I know it's, there's uh, the rules are about um, privacy and, and personal identifiable information are more stringent in California, for example, versus the rest of the country. But do you think GDPR in, in some form or fashion will be introduced in the U.S. as well? I don't know if there's going to be a law deployed at scale, right, as a federal regulation. I think it would be beneficial at some level to see a federal regulation deployed to normalize it across the United States. I think that would be extremely beneficial. But I do know that states are finally taking the initiative to unify and deploy that um, in multiple. And there's multiple states taking initiative on that, I'll say. So I, I can see that there is a shift fundamentally from a legislative standpoint, a regulatory standpoint to, to change the conversation and to take ownership of protecting data. Um, and I'm hoping that this drives an initiative at the federal level, right? Because once enough states decide that, hey, we need to, we need to fundamentally do something to protect inherent human rights, which is essentially what that is, right? Your data is an inherent right to protect it. I, I would say that at the federal level, they do have a duty once enough states take notice to step in and say, well, maybe this should be a federal requirement if enough states are making this move. Certainly, certainly. Thank you. Um, switching gears a little bit, I know um, kind of Feeney is trying to be many things, uh, both uh, kind of sharing relevant information, providing networking opportunities, I think in certain areas will be better than others. Um, from your from your chair, uh, what do you think Athenia is doing uh, well and where do you think we can improve or do better or do, dif uh, do something differently? So, so one thing I would say is I have recently joined and heard about Athenia. So it's, it's very new to me. I have not got a lot of information from you guys yet, but I did recently join. So I think that the, uh, well, I, and I joined from somebody else that was a member that learned about it recently. Uh, so I'd say that maybe the the communication to non-members and how to expand that knowledge, that knowledge, that um, that footprint, I think would be beneficial on how to get the name out there. I think that that's really the the limiting factor for me. I, I wouldn't say that I've had vast experience and that I'm not really going to speak to the level of content yet, just because I I don't have a ton of experience with the organization mm -hmm. yet, but. I will say that uh, so far, what I've seen has been good. But as I said, I haven't been here that long, so it's been I a couple, I understand. about a Fair month and a half. So fair enough. Fair enough. Um, awesome. Uh, I guess last question. Um, again, from kind of your perspective, I we we talked to a lot of uh, CISOs, VP, director level, cybersecurity executives. Some of them have uh, kind of budget authority, and they deal with vendors and whatnot. And every time we talk about vendors. It becomes a very hot topic because oh I'm I'm getting so many emails I'm getting I'm not picking up my phone. Um, when you look at a solution or when you look at a category, uh, where do you usually go for information? Is it um, your friends in the industry? Is it colleagues? Uh, is it um, uh, industry publications? Is it events like RSA and Black Hat? Um, or maybe kind of more industry-focused or original events, as it kind of white papers. 
we would Gartner reports, uh, G2 crowd, where do you usually go when you, when you say, well, it's whether it's um, GRC or phishing or something, something that goes from the problem to the solution, where do, you, where do you usually go for this primary research? Typically we'll start with the Gartner report and then we always start pivoting to um, people I know that have used the technologies and I'll say, what do you think of these things? Um, and I'll, you know, I, I know quite a few people in the industry, so I, I will reach out to people typically and get their opinions. And I'll use that as a guidepost to kind of determine who we're going to talk to. Uh, but a lot, I typically try to give people, uh, I, I try to take an objective view on vendors, regardless of whether I like them or not. I actually, we're talking to two vendors right now that I completely dislike. Um, because? For, for I, I've had, I've had uh, undesirable interactions with them before previous companies, uh, but I'm not going to say any names, but regardless, uh, they, um, I just didn't like the way they, they did business. But uh, the reality is that may have been that one situation, right? Or it might've been something with that interaction. Maybe it was a different sales tech at the time, or maybe the sales engineer uh, had a different approach, or maybe they've redesigned their solution since then. So maybe it's not the same situation. So I always try to be objective with vendors and give them the benefit of the doubt, um, even if I don't like them. Um, but yeah, we actually have them running and actually they're in our top. One of them is in our top three right now for, so we still might end up going with them. Well, I, hope, I hope they learn from their mistakes and they, they've improved. I don't, luckily I'm not even in the calls with uh, one of them. And actually one of the guys on the call is actually from, he should recognize my name, but I might, one of my engineers is in the call. So, but yeah, it's, uh, it's always interesting when you, when full circle, when things come back around. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Josh, thank you so much for your time. I, I really appreciate it. I, I hope it was um, productive and um, uh, again, welcome to Athenia. And then hopefully um, over the next few days, weeks, months, or what have you, um, you'll get to get the value out of this. And we're here to, to help and to answer any of the questions. Um, so again, we're, we're, here, we're here to help. So use us as a resource. But Yes, hopefully it's beneficial to you too. Absolutely. Wasn't as prepared as I was expecting to be. It's been a rough week, so. (laughs) I understand. Thank you so much.